Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come. Get settled by the fire tonight. As I tell you of the evening, I became privy to Otto's solo adventures in Nightfalls. My canine partner in crime remains as elusive as ever, disappearing into the mountains for hours at a time. For years, my friends and I could neither make head nor tail of where he disappeared to. Until, that is, a cunning enchantment finally helped me to see the falls from a fresh, four-pawed perspective. Just before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors that make this free content possible. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Before we begin tonight's tale, why not take a moment to wind down and relax with me? I hope you don't mind me joining you, but I'm rather craving a moment to catch my breath. Let's get started in a comfortable position and allow your eyes to drift closed. Draw a deep breath in with me and exhale. Breathe in through your nose. Hold it for a moment. And let's sigh out in relief. 
Tonight, let's focus on cutting out the noise of the outside world and clearing our minds of the pressures and responsibilities that draw our attention away from life's simple pleasures. Breathing in and out. Center your attention on the sound of your breath. Focus on the gentle rising and falling of your chest. Perhaps beneath the gentle sound of your breath drifting in and out again, you can hear the steady beating of your heart. Breathe deep. And as you exhale, feel yourself pushing away the noise beyond the borders of your body with the tide of your breath. Tonight, there is only you settling back into your body granting yourself the time to hear it, to heal it. Let your breath wash in through your nose once more. And as you exhale, allow the thoughts and fears that keep you up at night to simply drain from your body. With each cycle of easy, even breath, your mind is growing clearer and calmer. So much so that without your focus on the myriad of minor inconveniences that demand your attention each day, you can finally settle into the calm of the night and relish in the simple joy of the soft cushions beneath you. In the feeling of your body slowing down from the day as tonight's tale begins. The sun had almost set to bed by the time Otto emerged from between the pines. He had darted off into the forest thicket early in the morning, whilst Devani and I had been busy hanging our clothes out on a makeshift washing line. For months I had pondered where he went to when he disappeared for hours on end, but felt sure that If I were to try and follow him on one of his adventures, he would scent me in the thicket behind him and change his course to spite me. Anwin had proved time and time again that her magic knew almost no bounds. It was hard to understand the power that flowed through her, almost as hard as it was to pick out the edge of her 
when it seemed as though she was always somewhere between states. As we cleared away the dinner plates that night, I asked if she might be able to twine my consciousness with Otto's, even if for just one night, so that I could finally set my curiosity to rest and see what it was that he got up to on his lonesome. I kept my voice low, cautious not to alert Otto of my plan. Though we didn't share a language, I often got the sense that the dog could sniff out my feelings and make sense of my thoughts. When his ears stood to attention and his head cocked to the side, I was certain he knew something was amiss. Anwin had beckoned Lyra over to where we stood on the cooling sands of the beach, and I was sure she had given us away by the time she asked the older woman if she had an elixir for the purpose. Rats, Lyra mumbled as she patted down the pockets of her fishing vest. I did tend to carry one of those, but I must have misplaced it. I won't be a moment. I'm sure there's one in the kitchen, she asserted as she took a draught from a potion with a honey-like consistency and vanished into thin air. Before my very eyes, Lyra disappeared. So fantastical was her trick that it rather reminded me of the magic shows I'd been so taken by as a boy. When she reappeared in a puff of glittering smoke, I began to think she might have a flair for the dramatic. She brushed off her shoulders and handed me a vial of deep blue elixir. Why do you insist on walking home every night if you could just as easily teleport? I asked, making my best effort not to laugh. I like to take a walk after dinner. It's good for digestion, she shrugged. Drink this before bed and you should find yourself bound to Otto's consciousness through a dream. At that, Lyra pulled her vest a little tighter around her shoulders and meandered back to the ravine that would lead her home. Otto darted after her and caught up to her side before she could disappear between the two shelves of rock. I rather wondered if all those evenings I had assumed he was tailing Lyra home for a second sniff at some food the schnauzer had in fact been watching over her, ready to offer her a paw if ever she felt unsteady going over the rocks. Devani was already stretched out on the sands, tucking into a book as the clearing fell quiet around me. With the stars drawing in, I wandered down to the beach to take up my spot beside her. 
I noted that she was, for the fifth time since I had known her, rereading the importance of being earnest. I'd have to borrow it when she next set it down, or source a copy of my own, for I'm quite sure there's much that can be learned about a person from the stories they escape into. I sipped on the elixir Lyra had given me, savouring the taste of sweet blueberry as it coated my tongue, before lying back into the sands to pull Devani into my arms. My breath drifted in and out, easily and evenly. I felt it falling in time with Devani's as her chest rose and fell softly before mine. I liked that we shared a love for stories in common. It seemed that for the pair of us there was no better way to relax and wind down than to disappear into the pages of a good book. I loved hearing her read, but I loved in particular when Devani told me her stories, the ones that weren't written down. Time has taught me the importance of listening closely to the tales that come your way. You never can know when or if you might get the chance to hear them again. So I made it my business to commit the details of Devani's past to memory. I closed my eyes and drew a deep breath in. Devani's familiar scent washing over my senses and soothing me to sleep. As I sighed out in relief, I felt my essence escape my body and my consciousness drift out to Otto and settle across his senses. When my eyes were opened once more, I almost didn't recognize the mountain ridges I knew so well. Through Otto's eyes, I couldn't see quite as clearly where the horizon met the night sky. The only discernible difference between an earth shrouded by the shadows of the night and the night sky itself was the absence of stars underfoot and up ahead. The colours of the flowers were perhaps a little flatter to Otto's eyes, but they smelled all the more sweet. For the first time in my life, I experienced what it was like to be able to smell the difference between a lily and a geranium. A pink rose and a red. A buttercup and a daisy. Even in the ravine, with the smell of fresh water thickening the air, the scent of the forest pines constantly scented Otto's nose. I was faintly aware of his tail wagging to and fro 
as he led Lyra over the rocks towards her cozy cottage. He cut the safest, sturdiest path for our dear old friend, though perhaps it was misplaced, for Otto was a law unto his own. I couldn't help but feel rather proud of him. When Lyra finally emerged from the ravine, the pair walked side by side down the hillside towards her cottage. The front door creaked open on its hinges, and Otto made no bones about inviting himself in as Lyra shrugged off her fishing vest and hung it over a hook beside the door. She wiped her feet on the mat at the porch before she slipped her shoes off. Where have your manners got to, Otto? She tutted, pointing down at the mat expectantly. The schnauzer half-huffed as he trotted over to the doormat and did his level best to wipe the dust and dirt from his paws like Lyra had. When she was satisfied with his efforts, she gave the dog a nod and he followed her through to the kitchen. Lyra was perhaps one of the only people I had ever known who threw the curtains open at nightfall. In the daytime, I much suspected she kept them drawn so as to avoid sunlight heating the place up and meddling with the balance in the potions, balms and oils that lined the shelves. That night, moonlight streamed through the window above the kitchen sink and I noticed several silver-white plants she had no doubt harvested during the endless night, doing their best to thrive on her windowsill. Otto nuzzled at her leg until she relented and reached into the treat jar on the countertop and handed him one. The pair made their way to the lounge. Lyra settled into a grand old armchair and sunk into its cushions. Otto waited patiently for her to get settled before he made his decision to climb slowly rather than jump up onto her lap. As he began to arrange himself, turning in slow circles in search of the perfect spot, the older woman groaned beneath his weight. You're much too big for this now, Otto, she protested, but her hand was already scratching the soft fur behind his ears. I think for all her complaining, even Otto understood that Lyra rather liked his company. For a while, Lyra read, leafing slowly through the pages of a book on ancient botany. Otto could feel her breath growing long and lazy, and hear her beating heart slow and settle 
into the rhythm of the night. When she hadn't turned her page for quite some time, he peeked up at her to check her eyes were closed before he took the book between his teeth and hopped out of her lap with it as carefully as he could. Otto set the book down on Lyra's side table and took care to pull the front door closed behind him with his mouth before he darted out into the night. Otto made ground through the forest quickly, his four paws not letting up, until he reached the edge of the caves in Lyra's clearing. He trotted slowly as he made his way in, allowing his eyes time to adjust to the deepening darkness. When Otto finally reached the crystal window that opened out on Anwen's underwater world that lay beneath the lake, he let out a howl I hadn't known him to be capable of. I wondered what or who he might be calling for, and my question didn't go unanswered for long. Anwin's daughter, Rhea, let out a tiny howl of her own as she swam into view. Otto howled against the window once more, and the pair began darting back and forth, back and forth, chasing each other across the window. When we Rhea grew too tired to play Otto's games, he put a paw against the window to stop her. She came to a halt, panting heavily enough to steam up the crystal window before her as she set her own palm against his. Good night, Otto. Rhea smiled before she disappeared back into the deep blue. Smiling and Wagging his tail, Otto trotted back out of the cave and set his nose to the ground to begin navigating the falls the best way he knew. He followed his schnauzer sniffer to the lazy river that Devani and I occasionally took a moonlit cruise along. Otto hadn't been much of a swimmer at all when he first came into my life, but it appeared that he had grown rather fond of it after all of the hours my friends and I had put into teaching him in the lake in nightfalls. Circe, the mythical sorceress who currently made her home in nightfalls, and the nymphs that were forever by her side, were lounging on an island that split the river's path in two. When Otto spotted them, he dove into the water and did his best doggy paddle out to meet them without a moment's hesitation. You're just in time, Otto, Cersei smiled as he clambered up the rocks and lolloped on his back before her. The nymphs were just setting out a game. I think you'll like this one. 
The enchantress chuckled as she reached down to scratch the soft fur on his belly. Also didn't linger before her long, for there were nymphs to greet and treats to obtain, itches to scratch and a tail to wag. Otto, one such nymph called out from behind him. He didn't need to look to know who that voice belonged to. He bounded over to Mona and she bundled him up in her arms. I got the sense Mona and Otto had known each other for rather a long time and made a mental note to seek her out on the riverbank someday and ask her what she knew about Otto's past. Her hair was a beautiful black opal with technicolored streaks running through it. Her deep brown eyes were some of the kindest I had ever seen. It was clear why Otto had come to like Mona so much. There was a warmth to the nymph that could have melted the ice caps. Mona whispered close to Otto's ear and asked him, in a voice slightly higher than she tended to take with others, We're just setting up the assault course. Will you be on my team? I sensed that Otto wasn't sure why people spoke to him as they did. Granted, he did tend to hear higher-pitched things more clearly, but he couldn't understand how the people in his life might have come to know such a thing. He didn't seem to mind the softer tone people took with him too much, but as his eyes darted from nymph to nymph and he tried to make sense of the conversation, I realized that whilst everyone seemed to know Otto's name, no one had ever stopped to introduce themselves to him. I got the sense Otto had spent a great deal of time trying to work out who was who and pick out people's names during conversations, though I sensed it might come across as a little strange. I decided there and then that I would always make sure to introduce new people to Otto by name. Nothing was as important to the nymphs as friendship. I think perhaps that's why Otto had grown so fond of them. They knew how to have fun. Although they were intelligent, intuitive creatures, the nymphs had, for centuries, elected not to overcomplicate such a good thing as life. Perhaps they could have built great cities and chased after accolades or shiny trinkets, but the nymphs were content to lounge on the riverbank in summer and swim upstream in winter. The nymphs had their friendships, their families, their games, and their home, and that was all that had ever mattered to them. 
their dedication to the simple pleasures was something I grew to find rather admirable over the years. They never wanted for anything. By their own design and sense of inner ease, life had always offered them everything they needed. Otto loved games and the nymphs had all the time in the world to think up new ones that would keep him interested. The moon shone brightly by the time the evening's activities began. The only rule is that if you touch the water, you're out, one of the organisers cried as they set off from the start line and made their way toward the first obstacle. With the course set, the nymphs jumped across the river, one after another, using the stepping stones that had been carefully laid out. The stones were set slightly further apart each time, so that as the course progressed, it grew harder and harder to reach them. To begin with, Otto had the upper hand. It was his teammate Mona that struggled, stumbling from a stepping stone and back into the river. Mona's laughter bubbled on the surface of the water before she herself resurfaced, smiling wide. Otto had made light work of the first half of the course. As the stones grew further apart, however, they grew smaller, too. When he was sure he wouldn't be able to balance all four of his legs on one of the stones, he let out a bark to alert Mona of his plan and leapt from the stone onto her shoulders. He barked at the next stone as if to bid her to carry him there, and the water nymph made sure to float him and his wagging tail above the surface towards the final stepping stone. Though perhaps Otto had had to get creative to secure his win, when he reached the final stepping stone, the nymphs made sure to celebrate with him. They showered the dog with pets and treats, and when he howled at the moon in glee, they joined him in calling out to the night sky. Mona placed a wreath of tiny pink flowers upon Otto's head, and he stood up tall on his hind legs, as she officially proclaimed him the victor. As the celebrations died down, the nymphs set to lounging on their riverbank once more, Otto seemed intent in joining them in their evening slumber. Until, that is, he heard a rustling in the undergrowth. His eyes darted to the source of the sound, and his tail kicked up the dart on the riverbank as it set to wagging to and fro the sight of an old friend waiting for him in the woods. 
It seemed as though the deer would have been a fawn when Otto was but a pup. I got the feeling that they had grown together, for I could sense familiarity flourishing in Otto's chest. Perhaps I would never know how Otto came to arrive in the mountains, but I knew I would be forever grateful that he had. Even though their friendship was years old, Otto knew that any outward display of excitement would make his agile friend feel jittery and nervous. I felt the dog draw a deep breath in and out, tuck his tongue back into his mouth after the high of his win, and make his way slowly and steadily over to his old friend. Otto and the deer bumped their heads together gently by way of a greeting and began trotting back through the mountains together. There seemed to be a silent understanding that carried between them. Of what, I couldn't be quite sure. But I got the sense that whatever they were plotting, they had gotten away with on a number of prior occasions. As the pair emerged from the thicket, Otto made sure to check Devani and I were still sleeping soundly on the sands. He sniffed at our toes until he was satisfied his plan could be carried out without interruption from either of us. When he and his friend then made a beeline for my allotment, I began to get a sense of where the evening was headed. To his credit, Otto made sure to select only the ripest, best-looking fruit and veg to give to the deer. He did his best to pick the produce cleanly and avoid damaging the plant itself so that regrowth would happen sooner. When Otto was satisfied with his haul, he carried fresh fruits and vegetables over to the edge of the clearing for the deer, and the pair bumped heads once more. A wordless thank you between friends. Otto stood on the edge of the tree line for quite some time, and when the deer finally disappeared from his view, he trotted back around the lake towards Devani and I. He paused momentarily beside the washing line, and I could feel him fighting with his demons over the decision to steal one of my socks. As the seconds ticked by, I sensed that Otto simply couldn't help but jump up and steal one of them off of the line. I was happy enough to know that at least the lovable rogue had danced with the idea of not nabbing it. To my mind, that demonstrated tremendous personal growth 
on the canine's part. Also padded back around the lake slowly, tired from the evening's adventure, as he came to settle upon my toes on the beach. I felt my consciousness drift back into my body and could hear him gnawing at the sock between his teeth until the effort of it had sent him halfway to sleep. My eyes opened just a crack as I settled back into myself, and I reached down to rescue my sock before it was mangled. As I took it from him, Otto pretended to be far too deep in slumber to notice, and I let him get away with having been caught red-handed. As I drifted back off to sleep.